You might go ahead and find in your Bibles the Gospel of Mark chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 14 through 20. Mark chapter 1 and verse 14. And uh, appreciate you being here today. We are glad the gates opened and you came on in. And uh, glad we unlocked the doors and you're able to be here today. Uh, I was... uh, I was counting up how many Sundays are my favorite Sundays during the year. And I think I've counted them up now. I mean, Sundays I just really love being in the Lord's house. I think there are 52 of them now that uh, that happens. So, but today is one of those. It is a serve day. It's been a couple of years since we've had a serve day. So if you're visiting here with us today, I don't usually dress up as nice as this. Now, today I can wear my work boots. We come casual, ready to serve. And, and uh, you'll be hearing more about that. But if you're thinking... If you're thinking about lunch, we've got lunch for you. But if you eat lunch with us, we want you to serve. So uh, come and be a part of that. We're also in the middle of our uh, emphasis this month on who's your one. You may have noticed, if you're close enough maybe, if you haven't been here, but uh, we've got blue cards up here with who's your one on it. Every one of these cards have been prayed about. Uh, it's got somebody's name on it that somebody in this church is praying for who's lost or unchurched. And we encourage you to go beyond praying. We know it's the greatest thing that we can do, but we're encouraging you to also, uh, to sometime this year, we want you to be sure to invite that person uh, to be somewhere to where they can hear the good news of the gospel. We believe it happens every Sunday as we come into this place. We invite you also to be sharing, particularly maybe your testimony or the difference that Jesus has made in your life. And we want you to look to have those opportunities. And so we're talking and looking at passages of people who came to Jesus or were brought to Jesus. And uh, we looked at John 1 last week, and we're in Mark chapter 1 this week. Going to continue to look at Gospels this month as well. The Who's Your One emphasis will continue throughout the year, but this is the emphasis for the messages this week. Mark chapter 1 and verse 14. This now is the Word of God. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. May the Lord bless the reading of his word today. We welcome you this morning to Family Feud, the Parkway Baptist edition of Family Feud. We're glad that you're here today. We have four top answers on the board. 100 people were surveyed. This is the answer to this question. When someone mentions the king, to whom might he or she be referring? By the way, real question that was on Family Feud. Top answer we have on the board, which is... Elvis Presley, 81 people said Elvis Presley. We'll go to the third answer for this one. Third answer is Martin Luther King Jr. when they thought about the king. The fourth answer is, somebody needs to do a ding maybe perhaps, the Burger King when they thought of the king. We want to focus on the second answer. And while only seven people said it, the second answer is Jesus or God. We know that Jesus is the one, the only one who is the real king, the one who is the King of Kings in Mark chapter 1, we just read to where he came into Galilee and he was preaching, he was proclaiming the kingdom 
of God. He was proclaiming in verse 15. We kind of find the summary of that which he was preaching in those days. Again, look at verse 15. We've got it on the screen. You look in your scripture. It says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The gospel, meaning the good news, particularly that Jesus is the good news. Jesus, the king who's come and lived amongst us. He is God in the flesh, and He came to show and to declare His unconditional love to all those who placed their faith in Him. He was willing to pay the price for our sins as He shed His blood on Calvary's cross so that we might be able to know Him. When He died, He took all of our sins, and they were nailed to the cross so that we could be forgiven and so that we could have an eternal relationship with an Almighty God. Three days later, He rose again, and He's still alive today. His name is above every name. We've sang about that just a moment ago. In His grace, we are able to call upon Him and know Him, know Jesus as Savior and Lord. Consider for just a moment the calling on the disciples, the first disciples and to you and me, that simple call from Jesus, follow me. Maybe, perhaps today, we can get a little bit maybe fuller grasp of that particular call of Jesus. Jesus, who is the Messiah. Jesus, who is the son of David, the son of Abraham, fully human while on earth, fully eternal for all eternity, fully divine, the only sovereign one full of love and justice, the Savior, King, the righteous judge, the light of the world, the hope for all people, the one for whom every tongue will confess and every knee will bow, for he is Lord of all creation, creator of the universe. He holds all the stars and the planets and every celestial body in place. He is the Lamb who was Slain, yet he stands in heaven and he sits on his throne. He is worthy of all power and honor and glory and praise. Yet he says to these four fishermen, and he says to you and me and to millions and billions in between, follow me. And I don't know about you, but as we think about these things, I think that should be mind-boggling. Who am I that the king would call to follow him? Who are we? God's God's word declares that you cannot have encounter with the king of kings and not be changed. There are those who have proclaimed Christ and, and perhaps attend church, yet their lives have not been changed. Or those who look no different than any part of the world, but it is hard to believe they can have an encounter with the king of kings and not be changed. Oh, they may have walked the aisle, they may have filled out a card, they may have even... Walk through water, but they cannot claim to know the king and have an encounter with the king of kings and not be changed. This is the king, the real and the only king we're talking about. And to follow Jesus is to is total abandonment. He is not just the first priority, he's the only priority. Your relationships and your job and your sports and all other activities and all other family relationships find their proper order behind following Jesus. That Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Can we really believe that to be true? Can we trust that that's really going to happen? Well, yes, we can. After all, who's Jesus? He's the king. Let's be honest a little bit about our downfall approach or maybe my downfall approach, particularly coming out of this pandemic. My goodness, I want you to come to church more often or maybe come to church at all after we've kind of gotten out of the habit of coming to the church But here we have Jesus who says, follow me. It has a little bit maybe to do with being 
in the Lord's house, but it has all much more to do with giving every single day and every part of your life over to Him and being sure that you find yourself all in. A casual relationship with the King? There is no such thing. He wants you to be joyfully dependent on Him for your every need, physical, spiritual, emotional, and mental. That's why Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. You can depend upon Him. And you, want to be, and you want to faithfully supply his every request. In other words, you want, you want to do what he says. Well, not so that you can find a better seat in heaven or not to add another jewel to your crown. Well, then why would you want to follow Jesus and fulfill his every request? Well, haven't you been listening? Because he is the king and there is none like him. And uh, Well, why would Jesus call us? Why would he give out the invitation to these disciples and to you and me to follow him? I have not a stinking clue. Except maybe it has something to do with the fact that Jesus defines love and goodness. The psalmist said, What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So what does the king want us to do? Well, we read it just a moment ago. What is it that he called for the disciples to do? Follow me and I'll do what? Well, I'll make you fishers of men. Now, we've already talked about the great commandment, love the Lord thy God. We also need to understand the great commission, which is to make disciples of all nations, to tell all people, all men, boys, men and women, boys and girls about Jesus. The fishers of men metaphor meant not to exclude any gender or any age, but how fitting it was for these first four disciples who happened to also be fishermen. Welcome back to Family Feud. Top four answers are on the board. People may not have necessarily been surveyed over this because this question was not actually part of Family Feud, though the first one was. But here's the question we have for you. Second question we have for you today. Who are among the first and the most well-known disciples of Jesus? Well, we know that there was Peter, also called Simon. In fact, Jesus had called him. We talked about that passage last week where Jesus looked at him and he called him Peter, not for who he was, but for what he was going to be. He's the one with the foot-shaped mouth or the mouth-shaped foot, however we say that, because he seemed to always be saying the wrong things at the wrong time. And even though he was a disciple who was a leader of the disciples, and certainly he was close to Jesus, we know that he denied the Lord three times on the night that Jesus was arrested, and yet we know that Jesus used him from the book of Acts for thousands of people to come to Jesus. And then there was Andrew, second on our list of who the most famous, perhaps well-known disciples. Peter's brother who was known for bringing people to Jesus. It was in John 1 where Andrew brought Simon, then Peter, to Jesus. Andrew seemed to be more of a behind-the-scenes person, maybe more so than his brother Peter was, yet when it came to telling people about Jesus or bringing somebody to Jesus, he did not hesitate. And then there's James. James the disciple, he's called one of the sons of thunder. He was an ambitious fisherman and he became an ambitious disciple, so much so that he and his brother went to Jesus and said, can we come, when you come into your kingdom, can we be on the right and on the left uh, of your throne? All the disciples had some lessons to learn on what it meant to be great in the kingdom of God. Jesus told them, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you must be the one who is servant of all. Genuine humility was highly regarded. 
James became the first martyr. He was the first of the 12 disciples to be executed for telling people about Jesus. And all those who have lost their life because of Jesus over the last 2,000 years have followed in his humbly glorifying footsteps. And then there's John, the beloved, who's the brother of James. John perhaps was the closest to Jesus. It was John who was at the foot of the cross when Jesus said, John, behold your mother, and asked John to take care of Mary. His brother James was the first of the twelve to die a martyr's death. John was the last of the twelve disciples to die. In fact, he was exiled on the Isle of Patmos for telling people about Jesus in the Aegean Sea. He was also one who went out to Asia Minor, which is now modern-day Turkey, to tell people about Jesus. He became pastor of the church that Paul had started there in Ephesus. Because of something that Jesus said to Peter, it had been rumored that John was not going to die until Jesus returned. But that was not God's plan. Now, Peter and Andrew were brothers. James and John were brothers. Evidence is that they may have been partners in the fishing business. And to make matters a little more interesting, the mother of James and John seemed to have been Mary's sister. Which would make what? James and John cousins of Jesus. Now, Jesus grew up in Nazareth. Nazareth is about 20 miles from the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee, more like what we think of a big lake in the state of Alabama. But, uh, but, but he probably knew this area well. Did he know these first four? Well, we know they had met before, certainly. Did they grow up together? We don't know for sure. James and John were cousins. Did he know James and John? Probably so. We did know they met before because this is not the first encounter that they had because of what it tells us in John 1. Well, the disciples were probably early, were probably maybe teenagers, late teenagers, early 20s, and we have Jesus. We know how old he was. He was 30, had a three-year ministry, died on the cross at the age of 33. So we know how old Jesus was, not necessarily the disciples. But we do know that Peter was married, had a mother-in-law. Story of Jesus, of course, and the mother-in-law. And this is their meeting. Wait, We've mentioned it before, but didn't we talk about, and if you were here last week, didn't we talk about an early meeting of at least three of these disciples already with Jesus there near Jerusalem, there uh, near the Jordan River? We did. So this is at least the second encounter with the first disciples that, with Jesus. By next Sunday in our series, as part of our series of Who's Your One, I'm going to kind of make an argument that there may have been three encounters with these four disciples before they finally left everything to follow him. Jesus, who'd been baptized in the Jordan River, not too far from Jerusalem, left the area of Judea and Jerusalem to go to Galilee to preach the good news to the common people and to call his first disciples. Now, this was after the baptism of Jesus. This was after the 40 days of temptation, 40 days in the wilderness, temptation of Jesus. This was after the meeting that Jesus had with at least three of the disciples, where Jesus spent the day teaching them. And we read, verse 14, a moment ago, after even John the Baptist had been arrested, and Jesus is really beginning his mission. He has a, he has a mission. He's, he has, he's going to begin his ministry and that would take him to the cross. Why did he go to Galilee and not to Jerusalem to begin his ministry? Maybe for many reasons. Notice he started out preaching, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, and the gospel was, was here. The religious people and the more well-to-do people would have been in and around Jerusalem. 
The people around the Sea of Galilee to the north, they were more of the common folk. Now, Jesus didn't hate the rich. He didn't hate the religious people. But his heart truly went out for the lowly and the ones who were hurting. And his message would be more accepted by the common and the simple. Now, you remember Mary and Joseph, they lived in Nazareth, which is in Galilee. The perception of the makeup of Israel in that day was not so much different from the perception of America today, only in reverse. Most people who live in other parts of our nation, when they think of the South, and maybe particularly Alabama, they think of uh, barefoot, uneducated rednecks. And my goodness, that may be who we are and proud of it, perhaps. But how about this? The Lord loves rednecks. Aren't you thankful for that? And Lord loves, there you got, finally got an amen over from this side. And, and Jesus loves all people. So we find Jesus going to the common folk, but more than that. Jesus, after his baptism, he began his ministry and he's on a mission. Part of that mission, he's going to gather some disciples around him that he might send out into the world. And he has a Hoosier one. In this case, he has four Hoosier ones and then 12. But he knows where the first ones are going to be. He's met them before. And so he's going back to Galilee. And this is not their first encounter with Jesus. Maybe another encounter before they follow Jesus full time. But Peter and Andrew and James and John, friends before, cousins if they were, somebody that need Jesus knew. We know that Jesus knew them because John 1 tells us that they did. Jesus sought them out and called them out. Now, you want me to blow your mind just a little bit more? You are on Jesus's who's your one list. You are Jesus's who's your one. And either you have already responded to the call of God or you need to. And what has Jesus called you to do? Well, we read it. Be fishers of people. That's not really what it says. It's what we think it says. But look at verse 17 one more time. Either on the screen or in your Bibles. What does he say? He says, I'm going to make you to become fishers of men or fishers of people. Well, if that's not who you are, Jesus will make you a fisherman or a fisher person as we want to be politically and socially acceptable here. Somebody who can throw out a line, somebody who can bait a hook, somebody who can reel them in, spiritually speaking, help others to know about Jesus. Hey, I know what you're thinking. Evangelism? Come on. That's not really for me. I'll sing in the choir. I'll work in the nursery. I'll wash dishes. I might mow somebody's lawn and write a check every now and then. But that will be my part. I'm not the one to tell people about Jesus. That's the way you feel. Good. I mean, good that you'll do all of those things. And that telling people about Jesus is not your thing. Because if you follow Jesus... He's going to develop you into a person who represents him and tell others about Jesus. The pressure is off. You no longer have to worry about evangelism. Jesus is going to take care of that. All you've got to worry about is following Jesus because he tells us here, I'm going to make you to become fishers of men. That doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. Sometimes there will be difficult days. It'll be hard to stand for Jesus in a world that mostly rejects Jesus. Sometimes it will be hard to speak up about Jesus and maybe in some difficult and even uh, uncomfortable situations. There will be spiritual highs and spiritual lows. My goodness, just look at the life of the disciples. But Jesus has your back. Now, much has been made about Jesus' 
calling fishermen. At least seven of the disciples were fishermen by trade. And we could think of probably a lot of good traits of fishermen. Takes courage and working together, particularly in that day, and patience and energy, stamina, faith, and tenacity to be a fisherman. Well, notice what, uh, notice what Peter and Andrew were doing when, they found, when Jesus came and called them. They were casting their nets. And then we find James and John, what were they doing? They were mending their nets, which kind of lends itself to working hard. Make sure you're prepared. Make sure you're ready. Make sure all you're tackled. Everything's in place and everything's wearing what it's supposed, what it's supposed, to, be, supposed to be. Well, I think all that is true and all these are good traits that help us to be good soul winners. But the emphasis of this passage is not what the disciples brought to the table. The emphasis of this passage is what Jesus does for them and turns them into once they follow him. So what can Jesus do for you? Well, he gives us life and eternal life. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. And as we submit to him and follow daily, he'll take even the tough times and he'll use them to make us more like Jesus and open more doors to point more people to Jesus. Well, for these next few minutes, here's here's what we want to do this morning in the time that we have remaining. I want us to be prepared and ready to make sure that we have the things and the stuff uh, in our tackle box or the tools in our toolbox that we need uh, if you're going to be fishers of people uh, for the opportunities that are going to come. Because I guarantee you this, if you follow Jesus, you will have opportunities to share with others about Jesus. Have you ever been on a job, any kind of job, you know, or maybe even fished at times and you came to yourself and, and you thought, looked in your toolbox or tackle box or knitting box, I mean, want everybody to, you know, maybe, and, you, and maybe you didn't have something that you thought, oh, if I'd have had this, I could have done it a lot quicker. I've been much more successful if I'd have just had the right stuff. So I want you to be able to have the right stuff. I want you to have the proper bait and proper hooks and all the things that you need in order that you might be more successful. Now, we're not going to give you everything you ever need today, but we want to give you some things, hopefully, that will be a help today so that you might be able to be the fishers of people. Not because you decided to be fishers of people, but because you decided to follow Jesus, and Jesus is going to make you such. Now, some of what I'm going to share with you, you may think, I've already got all of this, and, I've, and so this is nothing new, perhaps, and what we're going to share with you today. Well, if that's the case, and if you've ever been a fisher person or anything, you might go to your tackle box and make sure everything's properly prepared and it's right place and you're ready for whatever's next. So that's a little bit what we're doing today. And if you're here today in this room or you're listening live stream today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord or perhaps you are unsure about that, we're going to share the gospel at least three times over the next 10 or 15 minutes. And you'll have opportunity to know for sure that this is the person you have a relationship with for all eternity. So here's, uh, here's the first thing, perhaps, it might be a help. Uh, share, you want to be able to share the good news with your Bible. Now you, get to, you haven't written anything down. Oh, let me, let me just encourage you that if you're not usually a, uh, a writer, you know, you don't, you're not the one that fills in the blanks, but you appreciate that there are blanks, and when you wake up, you see what that is. No, most of you are very attentive, and I appreciate you. Appreciate your effort in those things. Today might be a day that you want to write it down. One, so that you can remember as you have opportunity, or maybe as a reference that you could go to later. But you want to be able to share the good news with your Bible. And so we're gonna, I'm just going to get a couple of verses from John and some from Romans, and you just probably want to write down the reference on this. 
Since, uh, since the gospel means good news, we want to start with good news. John 10.10, 10, the very last part of that, we know that Jesus is talking here. He says, I've come that they may have life, they may have it abundantly. So the good news is we know that Jesus came so that we might be able to enjoy life here on this earth. So that we might be able to get the most out of life. So that we might know that He has a plan and a purpose for us. So that even when we go through the most difficult of times, we know that He's going to be with us. He's going to help us. And He can give us peace in this life. John 10.10, 10, that's good news. John 3.16 of course, you know, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. So it is good news that not only did Jesus come so that you might have abundant life. By the way, you don't endure Jesus for this life so that you might be able to have eternal life. It is the best life that there is to live. It is with Jesus. And of course, the best life that we can only imagine today will be to spend eternity with Jesus forever in heaven. That's good news. It may be that you may want to tell somebody if you have opportunity to talk about the good news of Jesus. That, uh, that How would you feel if I could tell you that you could know for sure that you had Jesus in your heart and you had a home in heaven? Would that be good news? Most everybody I've ever asked that question said, yes, but I don't know how you can tell me. Or yes, I'd like to have that. Well, this is possible for all, but everybody has a sin problem. And something must be done about the sin problem. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23. So we've got to realize that we are sinners and we have a need for an eternal Savior. And Jesus is the only one who can fulfill that need. I've often thought about the comma after the word death in Romans 6.23 and shared it with others, of course. And if, the, if it was a period instead of a comma, we would all be in trouble. For Romans 3.23 just said that we're all sinners and we're all, and now we found that we're all deserving of death. If there was a period, if that was the end of that sentence, we would be hopeless. But oh, what a hopeful comma we have. Because the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because Jesus provides the answer. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows His love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we know that Jesus, the Son of God, the one who is God in the flesh, came and He died on the cross for us. We've talked about it already today. Romans 10.9 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And we talk about confessing with our mouth. These are not just words that come out of our mouth, but it is because of sincerity of heart that we cannot help but proclaim that Jesus is Lord and believe what the Bible tells us about who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And then Romans 10, 13, that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So not only do you need to know these things, but everyone needs also to call upon Jesus, asking for forgiveness of sin and asking Jesus to be Savior and Lord of your life. We're going through these things rather quickly, but uh, as we move on and we talk about share the good news with your Bible, you also you can share the good news with a picture. Share the good news with a picture. Lots of good pictures out there. There are some uh, there's a three circles that's become popular. I like the three circles. There's one with a ladder determining how close you are to heaven and God. Only Jesus has provided the way. There's one to where you write not necessarily a picture, but maybe you write do and done. In fact I think we talked about that one sometime last year. And of course, all other religions talks about 
what you must do, only Christianity and only Jesus do we talk about what he has done so that we might be able to have salvation. But I want you to draw a picture today. Humor me and draw this picture if you would. And, uh, and it is, uh, draw a picture of a baseball diamond. And uh, you could forget the outfield, just kind of put that box on a point, you know, kind of thing. Turn it a little bit so it looks like the baseball diamond. First base you see up there, right sin. First base is the sin base. Well, all of us need to know that we have sin in our life and uh, to understand what sin is. As a matter of fact, 1 Timothy 1.15 says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. The Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Paul writes to Timothy in this, so all of us are sinners and we need salvation. Uh, I'll use this sometimes with a younger group, sometimes with children, maybe with youth, and write the baseball diamond, and we'll draw it up there, and I'll ask them, I said, do you, hey, can you tell me what sin is? If they can tell me, I said, do you know that you're a sinner? The Bible says that we are. And yes, I say, you've made it to first base. How many runs have you scored? If they've ever played kickball or baseball, they say, oh, I haven't scored yet, and, uh, but you've made it to first base. Now I'll say, talk about the second base. Second base is the repent base. It's the biblical word that means to make a change. It means to turn, to make an about face. We find this, John 8, 12, it says, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Repent. Stop walking in darkness, but instead walk in the light of life. Instead of living for self, or instead of living for sin, instead, do you want to live for Jesus? I might ask, would you, would you want to live for Jesus? And, and they say, yes. I'd say, you've made the second base. How many runs have you scored? Have you scored yet? Hadn't scored yet. Third base is the believe base. So on that base, you might want to write down the word believe. Acts chapter 16, 31 said, And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus. You will be saved, you and your household. Third base is the believe base. First is sin. Second is repent. Third is believe. So you need to believe everything the Bible says about Jesus, that he is God who's come in the flesh, that he did live a perfect life amongst us, that he did die on the cross for our sins. Three days later, he rose again. And uh, now as we talk about a baseball, and the one reason I like the baseball illustration is because, uh, because becoming a Christian is not a checklist. So I want you to be careful here. This is not a checklist. I've done this, I've done that, I've done that. Then, okay, that I'm saved. And by the way, you've come to third base. You've not come home yet. But... The bases all still need to be touched. These are things that we need to understand, that someone needs to understand in order to come to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. But in order to come home, in order to be saved, by the way, before we talk about that, you could do all of these things. You could know what sin is. You could be sorry for your sins. You could believe what the Bible says about Jesus and still not be saved. The Bible says even the demons believe and they tremble. It takes a calling upon Jesus. So if you've got, you got a home plate that you might want to write down, you could write home place or saved or safe. John 1.12 said, But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord in genuineness can become part of the family of God. Romans 10.13, we talked about before, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, sometimes I use this probably primarily with children and teenagers perhaps. Sometimes I have used it with adults, but but here's why this is good for no matter what your age. 
because now I started to say we don't always have our Bibles, but probably 98.3% of you always have your cell phone, so you always can find scripture. And, uh, but perhaps you're thinking about you ha- you're going to have an opportunity. I'm telling you, if you're following Jesus, you're going to have an opportunity, even if you never have before. And you're thinking about, oh, what is it that I need to share? You don't have to draw a baseball diamond. You can to help somebody, but you can think in your mind, first base, in base, I need to talk about that. Second base, repent. I need to talk about that. Third base, believe. And need then to make sure that they have come home and not left anywhere on base. So it can help all of us to be able to understand and to know. So you need to share the good news with your Bible. You can share the good news with a picture. You also can. Here's different opportunities. You can share the good news with your story. Now I'm sure that there are many of you who could sit down and you could tell your story in 45 minutes to two and a half hours and it would be enthralling and we would all sit here with uh, just can't wait to hear the next word that you're going to share. But let me encourage you to put this in your tackle box, a three to five minute story that you can share. And everybody who is a believer in the Lord Jesus has a story and because of that they have a powerful story. First of all, your story is begins with my life before I met Jesus. My life before I met Jesus. Did you go to church? Did you not go to church? Were you mean? Were you nice? Uh, what was your attitude? Uh, what kind of person were you? Do not embellish. Don't make you a worse person than you are. If you were a nice person before, you still needed Jesus. Whatever your story is, don't worry that it's not so dramatic. I was uh, raised in church. I knew about Jesus. I knew lots of Bible stories. I knew... Uh, lots of Bible verses and then one day I realized I did not know Jesus personally and I needed to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins and ask Christ to come into my heart. Then also this is how I met Jesus is the second part of your story. And I want you to think about who and where maybe to so something to share. By the way when you're writing this and you could jot down some notes there as well two or three sentences under each one. That's it. Work on it till you get two or three sentences. And you can always elaborate for that person says, tell me more about who you are. But write down two or three sentences. If you can't do it now, it might be a little tough in the time we have, but at some point you want to do that. But think about who brought you to Jesus. Was it your parents? Was it a friend, brother, sister? Was it, ever, was it a student pastor? Who was it? Was it a get through a Gideon Bible? And where were you that it took place? Uh, were you at home? Were you at church? Were you driving down the road? Were you taking a shower? Where were you when you realized that you needed to ask Christ to come in and Jesus became Lord of your life? Word of warning here. Nobody has been a Christian all of their life. But I've heard people give that testimony. I've just been a Christian all my life. Maybe most of your life. But if you think you've been a Christian all of your life, you might want to reevaluate just a little bit because the Bible says that we are born sinners and that Jesus calls us and we have to we follow him. We turn our life over to him. But here's key to your story. Key to your story. I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins and I put my faith in Jesus alone and asked Jesus to be my Savior and Lord. It's, it's key for many reasons and it doesn't have to be these exact words, of course. But, but think for a moment. Could someone determine how to be a follower of Jesus by your story? For instance, you said, I walked the aisle and I got saved. Well, if they do not know about how to become a believer, what would they think? Well, I need to walk the aisle. Or even, I've been, I was baptized and I got saved. Or I got saved and I was baptized. Then 
nothing wrong with sharing those things, but if that's all that you share, you think, well, I sure need to get baptized so that I can, so that I can be saved. Uh, no, it's by grace through faith that you're saved. And then my life since I met Jesus. What difference does Jesus make in your life today? Does he give you peace? Make you more loving? Help you know that you're not alone? And understand, this, this needs to be genuine. Uh, because of Jesus, I'm now the happiest person who ever lived. Well, my goodness, I'd hate to have met you before you met Jesus. Uh, and, uh, but how's it changed? What, what changes have taken place? Has it changed your marriage? Has it cured you from an addiction? Uh, what's your attitude? Has Jesus given you new life? And you want to use, and even though it's hard to do this in two or three sentences, but you want to use a concrete example of the difference that Jesus has made in your life. One example of how things were different. Um, when I was in college, I did deliveries and ran errands for a company that they had a fleet of trucks, but because I was the youngest and part-time, they always gave me the oldest truck. About once a week, it would backfire and scare me to death. Cars don't backfire like they used to, but I'm old, and this is an even older truck. And uh, so you know why they call it backfire. So I'm driving down the interstate downtown Fort Worth, Texas, and, I, and cars are honking around me, but I look in my rearview mirror, and the back of my truck is on fire. And by the time I roll it to the stop, I'm jumping out of this burning, rushed into the cab as I slow down, and I'm jumping out of this burning truck. Now, I want you to imagine, oh, MacGyver, is he still around? MacGyver jumping out of a burning, or uh, what's the Mission Impossible guy? Uh, Tom Cruise, jumping, he'd be jumping out of a burning truck, you know, so I want you to imagine. Now, I want you to imagine me jumping out of a burning truck, and I jump, and I have forgotten to take my seatbelt off. <laughs> so, so finally getting my seatbelt off and rolling, running for my life. But, and I, now, in those few moments, I remember thinking, this is, I mean, you know, trucks blow up on TV. So I'm thinking, this is it. Uh, but I also felt at that time the overwhelming presence and protection of God in my life. How many of you had a bad day or bad days with the covid uh, now, we're not making light of this because we all know people who've lost their lives due to the COVID. But something that when you have COVID, it messes with your mind and your emotions. I don't know if you caught that or not, but still messing with it, I think. But uh, I, remember thanking, I remember thanking Jesus for heaven there for about a couple of days, though I don't think I was really in any danger. But we're coming out of a two-year pandemic. Can you tell the difference that Jesus has made in your life? My goodness! world's gone crazy, but we have a God who is still king, who is always faithful, one on whom we can always depend. Hadn't been that long since uh, uh, my dad passed away through heart disease, and my mom, about a year and a half later, through cancer. Miss him every day. Lord's brought back wonderful memories. He has sustained me through all. But I can tell you, not necessarily because of my faith, but because of their faith that I saw in them of the goodness and the promises of God, it has made all the difference. And I gave you three of my examples, but in a three to five minute testimony, you might want to pick one, but just an example there perhaps for you. If you do not have a concrete example of the difference that Jesus has made in your life, you might want to check your spiritual pulse to make sure that you've been made alive in Christ and that he has made you brand new in Jesus. 
we're, we're taking a definite stand here as a church. Now, somebody here may be disappointed. My goodness, is this all we're going to talk about is evangelism? What about my needs? What about all the difficulties in this world? Well, we're still going to talk about those. But this is going to define us more and more. It will not necessarily be the things that everybody that comes into this place wants to talk about. But we're going to talk more and more how we can grow in Christ and how we can reach new people as part of the commission that the Lord has given. Oh, we want you to come along with us. We want you to be a part. We want you to be a part of who's your one. If you've not already got a card here, we encourage you today. Just a moment during our time of commitment, you can come along with others. Write down the same name on both cards. Tear those apart. Keep one for yourself and put one here. And even today, I encourage you to pray for the one. If you've already got one here for you today. I want to give you one more tool that, that may be a help for you. And uh, it's sometimes what maybe we call the sinner's prayer. And I'm going to put it up here on the screen. Here it says, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Savior and Lord. In your name, amen. These exact words, of course, do not have to be exactly like this. But it's okay that if you... Because I don't want you to bring somebody to a point and then come to say, you know, now what do I do? Or what's the prayer? Or what is it? You want to be able to have an idea of what that is. And maybe even say this back to them. Say, this is a prayer. Would you like to pray a prayer like this with me? And then it's okay that they even repeat after you. And that would be all right. Understanding and explaining. It's not because you said the right words. It's nothing magic about the words. But it's the genuineness and sincerity of heart that you want Christ to come in to be your Savior and Lord. We've put this also on the screen for another reason. Because if there's someone here today that does not know Jesus as their Savior and Lord, you've heard this prayer. Are you ready? to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe somebody live stream. Or maybe there's somebody here today and they're not sure. You, know, you don't know for sure that you have a home in heaven. Not sure, you know, you're a little, even though we've talked about the gospel as many times as I can think of in 20, 30 minutes. And this is what this is. But you, I can't talk to you about the past because I don't know about your past. But I can tell you today, if you genuinely ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and ask Christ to come in, Jesus will be your Savior. He will be in your heart and you'll have a home in heaven from now on. So we're going to pray here in just a moment. Believers, you be praying for those who may not be believers that may be here today, may be listening. We're also going to pray that also that the Lord will continue. We'll continue to follow Jesus so that he can make us fishers of people. Let's bow together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you now. Even at this time, every head bowed, every eye closed, and believers are praying that if there's someone here that does not know his Lord and Savior, maybe even praying for the Hoosier one that is here, just you can lift up this prayer. You can, you can, along with me, pray this prayer silently as I pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and I invite you to come into my heart and life. And I want to trust and follow you as my Savior and Lord. In your name. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you even now. Thank you for those who are in this room. Thank you for the opportunity we've had to come and be able to worship your name 
in spirit and in truth. We pray, Father, for anyone who may have prayed that prayer today, either wanting to come to know Jesus for the first time or having assurance knowing that Christ is in their heart today. Father, I pray that they'll understand this is not the end of anything. It's just the beginning. A new life with Christ. Father, we also pray for all believers who are gathered here, all followers of Jesus. Help us, Father, to not worry so much about evangelism as we're worried about following Jesus who is going to make us fishers of people. We pray, Father, that we'll follow you even closer. We'll submit to you. We'll look for opportunities to where we can point others to you. We lift these prayers up in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.